Life gets hard sometimes, so grab your weighted blanket and let's talk about it. Okay, and then do you record in Audacity or? Uh, well, no, because the whole thing's gonna the, the whole oh. thing's gonna record to this. And that's why you do the technical stuff. Yeah. Great, cool. Um, great. Well, welcome everybody. I'm I'm Julia, the not technical person, <laughs> and I'm Jackie, the slightly less not technical person. <laughs> I don't know where I would be without you. You're just like, yep, we're gonna be doing it in the mic and the and the sound, and I'm like, uh huh, yep, I can, I can uh, schedule a post on social media. That works great. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Weighted Blanket Happy Hour. Everything's fantastic today. It's 80 degrees outside. Yes. It was Memorial Day weekend, and I didn't get sunburned. Although I did almost go blind because I hurt my eye. It's fine. We're good. Uh, always, always something. Um, but we are we are joined by a very special guest today, Dr. Patel. Um, please go ahead and just tell everybody everything that you do. It's wonderful to have you with us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, it's, um, you know, really good to see you, Julia. And uh, just a little bit about me as my background. Uh, so I, I am board certified, triple board certified in neurology, sleep medicine, and integrative medicine. And so after all these years of school, um, I, uh, um, you know, practiced for a long time at North Shore University Health System. And Julia, I, I worked with your mom. So, you know, that's, uh, um, she was, uh, you know, has become a friend and she was a mentor and it was just a great time working with her. Um, but back to me, uh, I, um, you know, I'm very passionate about providing um, a more holistic approach to, to sleep. Um, and that's, you know, that's with my integrative medicine and functional medicine background. And so I, you know, routinely kind of uh, bring in diet and lifestyle um, to the picture, to the, you know, to the drawing board and, um, and use that as a momentum to also help with brain health and mental health. And, and, um, that's kind of my approach to, to caring for patients. Oh, just, I'm so, I'm so fascinated by this. <laughs> I, I, I like, I'm so, I'm so fascinated by it. Cause sleep seems to be one of those things that like, it's not a blanket statement for everybody. Like just, I always, to my, my, the, my perfect example is uh, my roommate and I, we, we've lived together for a good long time now. She, she doesn't sleep well at all. She gets like maybe five hours a night. She can function on like three and, she, and like, meanwhile, I get a solid eight hours, no problem, but she's arguably way more put together than I am. Like, it seems like she needs it less. And so, so it's just like, and I'm always like, how do you do this? And she's like, I don't know. It's just life. So. Uh, so I'm always, I'm, I'm, I'm very fascinated to hear, like, do, do you do, have you, in your career, have you done studies? Like what, uh, what has your research yielded in terms of like interesting things you found about how sleep affects us, uh, and different people in everyday life? Yeah. And just to be clear, I'm a clinician. So I, I just treat patients. I don't do a lot of bench work research. I read all these studies though. And, and so from what I can tell you, you know, what I know from experience and then what the science also tells us um, is that you're right. You know, we're all a little individual in terms of how much sleep we need, but uh, routinely, I think that everyone should be aiming for like seven to nine hours of sleep, you know, functioning on less than six 
well, for example, we know that that increases your risk of developing dementia, you know, so, um, uh, <laughs> and we have large studies on that, you know, like lots of patients going through it, looking at um, uh, PET scans and, and looking at their brain activity, you know, with, uh, with technology, if you will. And, and we know that when they sleep less than six, um, it does increase their risk of, of neurodegenerative diseases, things like Parkinson's and, and Alzheimer's dementia. So wow. aiming for seven to nine is, is good for um, many of us. So yeah. Yeah. Any, anyone who's like, I get less than six. I'm like, are you, are you okay though? And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's one thing to like be a person with insomnia and just be like, this is just it. This is my life. And just being another person who's like, I just, I'm not going to try with, you know, improving my sleep hygiene at all. And it's like, but you could feel so much better. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tying back to the theme, you know, you, you're, you're, you're a clinician, as you said. So, you know, in, in your experience, uh, you know, when your patients come to you and like, oh, I'm having, you know, X, Y, Z trouble with sleep, is a lot of it mental health related or maybe, you know, like, oh, I have so much anxiety, I can't sleep, or maybe they don't know what's causing it? Yeah, I mean, it could be a mixed bag, but, you know, I, I would say that um, the patients who have a lot of anxiety about sleep, um, uh, you know, again, what can they be doing? They can, as a, as a, as a part of the uh, essentials, you know, like sleep is a vital sign. You know, we don't, we don't get our sleep measured when we go to see the doctor, like we do our blood pressure, but, you know, really should be because sleep is so vital to how our mental health is, you know, how our stomach functions, how our brain functions, um, overall health, how our immune system functions, you know, so it's very correlated to these different aspects of our, of our, physical and mental health. And, uh, and, and so, um, so, you know, sleep is, is one of those things that we really need to be kind of checking in on, you know, are we getting enough? Um, and you think about your car, maybe, I think that's an easier analogy. And you know, when the gas is low, you need to fill it up in order for it to work. We don't, we need to think of sleep like that. You know, when we don't get enough sleep, our gas is low and, um, and, and we need to kind of refill it. And, and, and until evolution changes it where we don't need to sleep every day, you know, it's, it's going to be important to, to make sure that um, we get that proper sleep. And, and again, everyone's a little individual. So, you know, if someone really does okay on, you know, seven or six and a half, you know, I'm not going to push it, you know, but, but I think on a, on a general basis, we should all be kind of aiming for seven to nine hours. I love getting a full eight and a half hours oh, yeah. of sleep. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan, especially because I work remote now and like I can, I have a flexible schedule and just allowing my body to like, Oh, I'm, t I'm getting tired around 1030. I better go to bed. And just being able to wake up now and be like, I'm not done yet. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to push it till nine o'clock today. Like having that luxury alone has made such a difference. And I know in my mental health, um, but yeah, like what, what are like, you know, like what, what are you missing out on if you're not getting the suggested seven to nine hours of sleep and how does that affect your mental health? So again, you know, I'm human. Do I not sleep? Uh, do I sleep seven, you know, seven hours every day? No, you know, I go out on weekends and I, I try to come back on time. But, um, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, that means I'm depriving myself of sleep. How do I feel the next day? 
I feel awful. Like I'm really kind of slow functioning, you know? So, so if you're kind of doing this to yourself, most people do this, you know, Monday through Friday, even, right. It's just like, Oh, I don't want to go to sleep yet. I want to watch a TV show or finish up work, you know, like all kinds of things, right. That that can happen that can delay you from going to sleep. And, and then I kind of want to push you, you know, to say, how do you feel? Do you feel irritable? Do you feel impulsive? I feel slow functioning and and maybe I am a little more irritable. You know, I'm not sure that I yell at my kids, but <laughs> but I'm sure I could, right? If if you if I kind of pushed that sleep deprivation a lot more, um, I'm sure anything can really kind of um, it's like a time bomb, right? And and there's more pathology to that. And I, I guess I want to just talk about like our brain. Um, our brain has an emotional center called the amygdala. And when you know you're sleep deprived, the amygdala is is something that uh, monitors our emotional responses, and so you know it gets fired up, right? Um, and so when you're not getting enough sleep, your amygdala is going to have a tantrum, you know, <laughs> and uh, and and that's uh, and you know that's science, right? Right? That's what's happening there, and, and so we need to make sure that we get that proper sleep. So kind of an interesting, interesting study, if I can kind of tell you guys about that. Uh, so they did a study where they looked at patients and they put them through an fMRI scanner, okay? So an fMRI machine, maybe you've heard of MRIs, but- um, Is that the measures- one that's just the head or? <laughs> Well, this one will be just for the head, but yeah, you can get MRIs of any you know body part, but okay. but for the head here, and then functional MRI is measuring blood oxygen um, levels in the mm-hmm. various areas of the brain, and and so they put these participants through the machine, and they would give them a signal, either a neutral signal, uh, where they're just going to get us like a symbol, like nothing scary, like a doorknob, right? Or of <laughs> uh, 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 some set of flowers, something just very neutral. Um, and then there was a sign where they would get a negative sign, like, you know, um, it's almost like a negative stimuli, like a gun or a death scene. So they'd get it like a large red, you know, sign if they were going to get that. So it's kind of like, Okay, I'm going to put you through the machine. I'm going to show you a sign. Is it going to be a large red sign? Well, then you know it's going to be a bad picture. You're going to get a you know scary signal. And if it's a if it's a yellow sign, it's more of a neutral. Um, it's going to be like that doorknob or um, you know a bunch of roses. And if you got a white signal, it was going to be 50-50, either neutral or scary. And so you can imagine that the you know when you when you're when you're anticipating what's gonna what are you gonna get what do you think your brain's gonna do um well the people who were sleep deprived these participants who are sleep deprived a lot of sleep studies a lot of sleep these kinds of studies are where they're just partially depriving them of sleep but this one did an all-nighter they didn't get to sleep at all <laughs> just when so, I don't get when I don't get sleep, I feel sick. I yeah. feel like I have the flu. Yeah. So I'm like cringing just thinking about it. Yep. So they didn't get to sleep at all. And uh and then when they 
put these signs, you know, so they did it both to the same group. So it would, you would be going through it with good amount of sleep. And then you would also go through it sleep deprived. So, so that this way we took away any extra variables, right? It's the same population that's going to get both kinds of ways of looking at it. Well, so the sleep deprived group, you know, the amygdala was like on fire with any of the responses and the sleep, the, the participants who, you know, the one they slept, they only had that high response when it was the white sign, when they didn't know what they were going to get, you know, the unanticipated, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what, where you should be. Um, and that's when, um, that's when the amygdala started acting up uh, with just that type. But when you were sleep deprived, the amygdala acted up in all three scenes, right? So whether it was red, yellow, or white. And, um, and so I guess what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, this is, this is kind of an interesting study because it shows that when, when we're sleep deprived, our anxiety levels are increased, even if you don't have anxiety, you know, on a normal basis, you will have anxiety when you're kind of pushed to those limits. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, it, it does. Yeah. It's kind of matching up what I already thought was in my head to like the science behind it. And I kind of, I love that we're at this period with like science and medicine where it's not, it's not just in your head. Like you're not, you're not just being lazy and not like, you know, like it's not a matter of like, well, just knock out of it and put yourself together. It's like, no, like my brain, the neurons in my head literally cannot fire fast enough to keep up with the world around me. And I just, I love that there is, you know, actual proof about this. My cortisol levels are too high. I only got four hours of sleep last night. Oh, oh, oh man. I was going to say fucking cortisol. I'm like, I can't swear in front of Dr. Patel. She's known about me since I was in middle school. (laughs) Surprise, I swear. Um, That's great. (laughs) Okay, so let's say that like, you know, like you're terrible at sleeping. You've always been terrible at sleeping and you go to see a professional or you listen to this podcast and it's like, oh, well, shit, like I should... I should get better with sleep, but I, I can imagine that it's not something that, you know, you just, you flip on like a, a switch and all of a sudden you're going from five to eight hours of sleep. What does that process look like with improving your sleep quality? Yeah. So again, you know, it depends on what, what's going on. Right. So, and some people are just very intentional about it. Like I could go to sleep. I, I you know, they find themselves yawning on the couch while they're watching TV, but kind of fighting through it just to not go to sleep. They're like, you know, <laughs> battling the the bedtime. Um, and, um, and so, so I think, you know, you need to look at your clues. Um, are you drinking a pot of coffee the more in the morning, you know, just to kind of wake up, you know, those are like little clues that um, maybe you didn't sleep well, or you didn't get enough sleep, and you're kind of combating it with other tactics. Um, so definitely, we need to, you know, that needs to be more personalized approach. But to look at sleep hygiene, to look at, you know, what we say sleep hygiene, right? That's like, uh, I guess that's medical words. So I'll, <laughs> I'll break that up. Like we want to, you know, keep our sleep very well, you know, polished. Uh, we want to have a bed just so we can, you know, go to sleep in it. Um, and we want to be able to disassociate doing work and watching TV while in our bedroom because we want to kind of associate the bedroom as a place to get sleep and and rest. 
Um, of course, you know, we know the other things like what you do during the day also matters. So getting your exercise, you know, it's better if you can do it like morning or mid you know, afternoon time, doing it right before bedtime might rev you up a little bit. So not mm -hmm. a great idea to do uh, right before bedtime. Some people, it doesn't matter. Like, again, very personalized, right? But, but for most people, it does matter. And so, you know, so I would say, let's try to get it done in the morning or early afternoon. Um, watching what you eat. That's something you do during the day. Um, and, uh, you know, what you eat also seems to matter. Um, they've, they have looked at studies in, well, they looked at lots of studies, but the one that I want to talk about, I guess, is even in children, you know, they have found that those children who eat vegetables and fruits, uh, as their like, uh, you know, nutritional aspect, um, uh, actually have better mental health. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I know a lot of children who may not even eat breakfast. They're just kind of running out the door. Um, so so I think, again, it, they might not eat vegetables for breakfast, but, you know, just having some fruit even um, would be would be good for them. So you, you what mentioned earlier that sleep affects gut health. Uh, that's news to me. I knew I knew about the immune system and all the other stuff. But you're like, yeah, it affects your stomach. And I was like, excuse me. It does what? <laughs> How does it do that? Well, so uh, we have been talking about the gut microbiome, um, you know, uh, the bacteria in our gut um, for, for a long time now, um, I guess is the easiest way to say it. But uh, um, so what you eat um, does make a difference, right? Um, and, and our gut makes neurotransmitters. Um, specifically yes. serotonin. That's <laughs> awesome. This is my voice teacher's been yelling at me about this recently. We keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, you know, so you make a bulk of your neurotransmitters in your gut, not in your brain. So again, feeding the gut, you know, to be able to make serotonin, you need to make tryptophan, you need to eat these foods to make so that it can make these things. Um, and, um, and so again, you know, what we eat, um, and it's better if we eat fruits and vegetables, so that the gut can do its job in a better way to make the neurotransmitters that our brain needs. And so there is a gut brain connection. Um, and, and so how to sleep interwine interwine in there? Well, um, you know, again, it, it's, it's all, we're all very connected. I'm not sure we know every little step of how each piece is put together, but we're all holding hands, right? Like, <laughs> um, and, uh, and when you don't get enough sleep, you know, it's, it's impacting how your immune system functions. And again, your immune system is primarily in your gut. So, so it's not allowing that cascade of good, healthy, um, inflammatory, well, not inflammatory, but good, healthy, you know, killer cells to kind of do the immune system function. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. I mean, I, <laughs> my, my first pandemic ex-boyfriend, I would just, <laughs> there's two of them. I have two, I have two <laughs> pandemic exes. It's great. It's a great time to be alive. And I, when we, the short time that we lived together, um, he would, he would drink a six pack of Miller Lite a night. No. A night. And, and he would always just be like, oh, I have insomnia. It's so terrible. Oh, like, you know, and, and it's like, okay, maybe start 
with not drinking. <laughs> Doesn't alcohol like make your sleep worse though? Yeah. <laughs> She's nodding yes. yes. <laughs> She's nodding yes. So yeah, you know, alcohol like maybe helps you fall asleep, but then it processes in the liver while you're sleeping and basically wakes you up during the night. So, um, you know, so it's not a good sleep aid. Um, it's not really a whole lot of great use for alcohol, really, if you think about it. But um, other than, you know, socially, it kind of helps maybe keep you a little chill. But um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he wasn't smoking enough weed to keep him chill enough. I don't This This guy was he doing... might he might need to be on Wellbutrin. <laughs> uh, he needs a lot of help. But I would also just watch him take these like long naps in the middle of the day. And it was like, I don't think that you have insomnia. I just think that you are not taking care of your sleep patterns and doing the hard thing, which is, it's just like whenever you like travel internationally and you want to like get to the, um, you know, wherever you're going is time, you have to like push through mm. being tired to finally be able to, to fall asleep yeah. at the, the right amount of time, like circadian rhythms and stuff. That's a thing, but nope. Six pack of beer. Yeah. That was, that was his life. S- sort of piggybacking off of that. Cause you, um, you know, you, you mentioned, we, you mentioned that beer isn't a good sleep aid, obviously. Shocking. But it's like, you, are any of the things on the market, like, you know, your prescribed sleep pills, your melatonin, like, are those things that you generally consider when talking to your patients? Or do you try to do like the more like, let's see if we can accomplish it with good behaviors first. And then if you really need it, then we'll like look at medicine. Again, it's, it's variable depends on what's going on, but of course we want to try to do the least invasive first. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And, and sometimes, you know, again, it depends where you are. Like maybe you do need something to, before you can like make sure you can get to bed on time and wake up on time and follow, you know, those, more less invasive approaches, um, uh, it's, it's important to kind of just see where the patient's at. But so I don't have a necessarily a protocol for that. I want to help, you know, whoever is in need at the time, but that doesn't mean I'm going to give them a dose of propofol either, you know? So we're not, (laughs) we're not trying to get like instant, uh, um, you know, sleep We're we're, we're truly trying to build on good habits and, and looking at the long-term. So, um, so, you know, where that is where sleep hygiene is like the, you know, first thing we would do, but sometimes we have a lot of anxiety. We have a lot of thoughts and, you know, that impacts how we are able to fall asleep. So that's, you know, that's the mental health part of it. Right. So, um, which is where cognitive behavioral therapies is actually the thing that's recommended, you know, learning how to dissociate from those negative thoughts, stopping those thoughts from happening. And, uh, and that's, that would be the approach that we would kind of take. So even before medicines, you know, even before, or like, you know, over the counter or prescription medications, um, we want to start with some approaches that are actually scientifically proven to help. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have my most recent pattern of odd sleep behavior is I'll get to sleep pretty well. I mean, like I was raised by a sleep nurse. So all that good sleep hygiene, like melatonin, magnesium, like no screen time, half hour before bed, read, 
Um, and my mom and I both have this thing where we'll wake up in the middle of the night to like go to the bathroom or adjust in the bed. And then and you're then, awake for two hours. And then that I'm awake. happens to me sometimes. And like all and I of a sudden, it. all of a sudden my my brain my brain was racing. I just started sailing. And like my brain is like running through the protocol or whatever. And I'm like, why am I thinking about this at 3 a.m.? Oh, this this is this is my anxiety. Oh, oh, that's what this is. Oh, okay. See, I'm not even anxious. I just wake up sometimes. It hasn't happened recently, knock on wood. But like I I just like I'll wake up and it's 3 a.m. and I'll just be like, I'm and my brain's like, I'm awake. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, go back to like I'm like talking to it like it's a cat. It's like no, go back to sleep, and I'm awake for two hours, and it's the most frustrating yeah, thing. I do that too. Ugh. What is that? Talk about that. <laughs> I think we're. Gonna, I think you're gonna have to give her your insurance if you want. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, you're gonna have to sign a HIPAA waiver if you want to get into more information about that. She's available at North Shore. That's fair. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I honestly, I don't mind, but, but of course, you know, we don't want to air your whole history, um, on this podcast, if but you, it's oh, we've already done yeah. that. <laughs> Everyone knows. <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, again, getting more than just the, just the one statement, I can't stay asleep, uh, would be an approach that we would, you know, I would ask about in a clinic visit, right? Because again, I want to know a little bit more about what's happening in your lifestyle and what kinds of foods you're eating and all of this other stuff, right? So um, it helps me get a better assessment as to how I want to approach the the plan of care. Um, but yes, you know, again, the basic things are making sure, you know, we don't drink too close to bedtime, right? Alcohol, too close to bedtime, um, you know, really giving it a chance to process before you fall asleep. Um, you know, the benefits of alcohol, we, we tout it as having antioxidant, uh, especially a glass of red wine, you know, My not favorite. beer necessarily. Yeah. But, um, but it turns out, you know, there's not that much resveratrol in a glass of red wine to really, you know, knock your whole antioxidant off the charts or anything. So, so you have to drink, you know, a lot of red wine. Well, um, if you insist, <laughs> it's a Costco bottle well, of so red that's wine. That's why I don't insist, right? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not finding that that I'm not finding that alcohol is um, such a great thing anymore. And and the studies really kind of are suggesting that someone who's already drinking one glass of red wine a day, uh, which is what they said for women, you know, now they're kind of classifying that as a moderate drinker. And moderate drinkers have an increased risk of developing dementia, right? So um, <laughs> it becomes this, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but yeah. not smoking, you know, ditching your coffee, at least stopping past, you know, noon, maybe 2, 2 p.m., um, and then not napping past 2 or 3 p.m. Uh, you know, I think you guys will like to know that an insurance company, Aetna, uh, they are basically giving incentives to their employees to sleep. Oh. So they give a monetary incentive if you sleep, you know, seven hours. Um, and, uh, and they are finding that when they started this, their employees were more productive. So, um, you know, Fancy it's that, coming Hannah. around. Yeah, it's coming oh. around. Yeah, I do too. Cool. Have <laughs> there, I've known a lot of, I have, well, I have one friend who, who says that she needs to smoke weed in order to help her go to sleep. Have they been starting, now that it's legal in Illinois at least and in other states too, have they started studies to see the effects of, of pot and sleep? 
Um, the 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 research on pod is is a little more complicated because it's not approved on a federal level. Um, so um, so it becomes a little more complicated. But um, well, the studies that we do have. No, again, I can't recommend it at this moment. Um, you know, I know plenty of people who take these things by going to the dispensaries and, and taking it on their own. But uh, I can't recommend it at this moment. You know, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine um, just doesn't have enough data on that overall to really recommend uh, yeah. cannabis. Do I find that it helps short term? I, you know, the studies that we do have do show that. Uh, we don't have great long-term, you know, effects. Um, we don't really know what it's going to do to your cognition long-term. Um, do you develop a tolerance long-term? It seems like it. Um, so, you know, um, so that's something else to, to, to keep in mind. Um, yeah. So, so again, I think, you know, again, it has to become a little more individualized approach if we're going to do things yeah. off label uh, and recommend, you know, cannabis or um, CBD or THC to patients. Um, but I, I'm not against it. I, I do still think that there's a lot of value in learning more about uh, uh, marijuana in general. There's a bunch of cannabinoids and um, and I, I really want to see, you know, what's, how does CBN work compared to CBD? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of fascinated by the research. So we'll see where this goes. Yeah, I just, I think it's interesting when people are like, I'm going to do this random thing that no one has any research on versus something that like, like you were talking about, like the holistic approach about exercise and watching what you eat and your activity during the day and just making good sleep habits. And it's like, well, we know that, that there's research that backs this up. And then I have certain friends. But are just that's like, hard. Nah, <laughs> I want to do work in my bed. That doesn't fit my lifestyle. <laughs> and, and that's the problem, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I don't know if we have enough awareness as to the importance of sleep. And, and and until we talk about it, you know, and, and use it as an approach to, to try to get to, let's try it out. Let's see how you feel when you get seven hours of sleep, you know, for two weeks, see, you, know, yeah. you can kind of judge it on your own. And, um, and, and that, that's your, that's your Fitbit telling you, you know, uh, when you get sleep, this is how you're supposed to feel. So. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Well, um, at the end of every episode, we, uh, we like to talk about what our self-care for the week was. Uh, we'll, we'll go first to give you some examples and then you can, um, you can finish it off with, um, but I'll, I'll go first. My, my self-care was for the weekend. I deleted my dating apps because I realized that getting back out there and dating was giving me more anxiety <laughs> than necessary. And it was like, it's a holiday weekend. I have a three day weekend. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on myself and not strangers telling me that I have a nice butt in the apps. And, uh, and I, I, I feel like that, that, did, yeah, that was a good, good choice. That was a good choice. Mm -hmm. I need, I needed that time away. <laughs> I have a very straightforward one. So, um, my best friend from high school is getting married this weekend after like almost 10 years together after a three year engagement because the pandemic interrupted it. It's very highly anticipated event. And we had a little spa day on Saturday and we got massages and we got facials. And then I went to the beach and managed to not get a sunburn. So like, we're good. <laughs> 
I like your self-care. I'm all about massages, but I didn't get that this week. Um, I have a wedding coming up this weekend as well. Uh, um, so I have been focusing on getting exercise and uh, eating right because I don't know if you know about Indian weddings, but you know, we wear really small clothes and I love Indian weddings. I was just at my friend's Indian wedding and she had three different outfits as the bride. So and it was, pretty. it was, yeah, every, everyone is just gorgeous. And I, I'm like, I, I, I really, like, I really regret not looking into getting one for myself now. Cause <laughs> yeah, like there was only a small handful of us wearing Western mm-hmm. uh, formal wear. And it was like, Hmm, this could have been a lot more fun. <laughs> Yeah. So I got to put my little, you know, outfit on. And uh, so just been trying to be really mindful and uh, watching what I eat and and getting my exercise in. I'm sure you're going to look fabulous. It's going to be fun. Uh, Yeah. Good for you. Hope you have fun at the wedding. I, oh, I love, I just love those outfits. I think they're so cool. Anyway. Well, um, do you, do you do social media at all? Can, can we, you know, shout out places that people can, you know, find you or just maybe, maybe just your practice. If anybody hears this and goes, I need a sleep doctor, I'll contact her. Yeah. So I have Instagram, Dr. Smitha Patel, uh, at it's like dot get brain healthy. I'm sure there's a lot of Dr. Patel. So, um, dot get brain healthy. And then LinkedIn is, is very similar. Um, um, as well as on Facebook. So, so the get brain healthy is is the tag really that um, will differentiate me from other Dr. Patel's. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We'll put it in the show notes. But excellent. Yeah. Yes, uh, highly recommend. Five five out of five out of five stars. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, being a part of the conversation. And uh, we just want everyone at home to just stay safe. Stay safe. And same time next week. Your mouse isn't working and I have to use the trackpad. <laughs> there it is. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Jackie, why do you like therapy? I like therapy because uh, my brain is a jumbled mess and untangling it is really good for me as a human being, both for myself and others. But something that's unfortunate is that therapy isn't that accessible to everybody. Luckily now, there is an option like BetterHelp. We have technology. We can we can technology therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And special offer to Weighted Blanket Happy Hour listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash weighted blanket. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash weighted blanket. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Like we always say on this podcast, you got to feel it to heal it. Have we ever said that catchy tagline that you just came up with? I don't know. (laughs)